Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, on Tuesday, I had a great interview and a great conversation with somebody who I feel like everybody listening to this show has seen perform, if not on stage, in a video of her on stage dozens upon dozens of times. And that is Danielle Furland, who starred in not one, but two original Stephen Sondheim Broadway musicals before the age of 18. She, of course, originated the role of Louise in Sunday in the Park with George and then Little Red and Into the Woods. She is making, believe it or not, her solo cabaret debut this weekend at the Green Room 42. So we had a conversation about that, all of the different things that come to putting together a show, how Sondheim has influenced her life, and much more. We will have, of course, information on where you can get tickets to see that. Yes. Um, That uh, interview will be coming out in the next day or so. You, of course, will hear it first in Patreon before coming to the regular feed. You can get there at patreon.com slash broaderradio, broaderradio.com slash Patreon. By the time you were hearing this, my interview with Susie Miller and Justin Martin from Prima Facey or Prima Facey or Facey, I don't know, whatever. I'm choose your own adventure. Just yeah, go see exactly. the show. Exactly. Yes, please do. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So let's get into the news. And the biggest news, yet another update. We kind of teased that there would be uh, some sort of resolution for the Tony Awards by the time we recorded this episode. And we got it actually late on Monday night, coming out very close to 10 p.m. The WGA released a statement. And I'm just going to read not all of it, but most of it to you. It said, quote, As has been previously reported, the Writers Guilds of America East and West will not negotiate an interim agreement or a waiver for the Tony Awards. However, Tony Awards Productions has communicated with us that they are altering this year's show to conform with specific requests from the WGA, and therefore the WGA will not be picketing the show. Responsibility for having to make changes to the format of the 2023 Tony Awards rests squarely on the shoulders of Paramount, CBS, and their allies. They continue to refuse to negotiate a fair contract for the writers represented by the WGA. As they have stood by us, we stand with our fellow workers on Broadway who are impacted by our strike. Love that. I, I, I'm not going to dive into the things that we've been talking about recently sure, around forever. this. Like, yeah. why did the Broadway League not just do this originally and save us all four days of, of heartache and nervousness and everybody in the industry I freaking mean, out? Evergreen, yeah. Yes. But um, this is about the best resolution that we can get, and I think this is incredible incredibly generous and and graceful oh, 100% of, of the WGA. Yeah, yeah, because they generous. did not have to do this. They did not have to. No. And uh, Equity President Kate Schindel went to, took to social media and said, thank you, WGA, Actors Equity members, time to double down on showing up at their picket lines. And then she followed up by saying, oh, and because it can't be said enough, this is still AMPTPs, the... Uh, I, I forget the acronym Association of Motion Picture Television Producers, I think is what it is. I mean, it's still AMPTP's fault and the writers should never have been put in this position. We can appreciate the grace and point at the culprits, right? So, yes, absolutely. And that is something that we've been trying to make sure is very clear, uh, at least in my own personal commentary, that the bad guys are the producers. The WGA refusing to grant the waiver is not something that I hold against Correct. them at all. Um, so this is good. I don't know what it means. I don't know if that means Ariana DeBose is going to be there or not. Um, 
you know, yeah, like, there's a lot of questions up in the air as far as hosting goes, because is the host going to ad lib? Is the host, you know, necessary at this point? That's, I think, the question a lot of people are asking. Yeah. So I like the press release from the WGA said a lot of the onus is going to be put on CBS and, and Paramount and, and Paramount Plus and everybody involved in the production, as well as the the you know the folks from the uh, Broadway League and American Theater Wing to figure out what this means, but they have agreed not to essentially have WGA writers or any writers at all really uh, as a part of this production. So we're going to get a Tony Awards. It's going to look markedly different from what we are used to seeing. That's okay. Uh, it's going to look like 1988 all over again. Oh my God! Does that mean we get like Angela Lansbury yes. hosting uh, every year? Yeah, I mean Hollywood. no. Because she's dead. But anyway, uh, but if this means maybe we get a little bit more from the nominated plays of some sort or or some other shows that are not nominated, whether those are shows that are still running or shows that are not from this season, if that means we get more performances, right. I'll take the trade off. I like I, you know, I, I like the bits as much as a lot of people don't be not because I think they're all good, but I think. There's the opportunity when you have those bits that you oh, can have something not. transcendent. Uh, so if I, if we have the opportunity to have something that's very cool, like the all of the stars from I don't know what that is 2018 or 2019, maybe 2017, I don't remember. But like Benanti, Hilti, Rannells, all of those folks from canceled TV shows, like to have something cool that moment, like that that song, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like those are fun. So I want to have the opportunity for this. If we have to slog through some of the ridiculous other stuff that we have to sit through, I'm okay with that. But I think this could be a very cool opportunity to highlight some shows that otherwise might not get the platform of being on the Tony Awards. So if that's the way they go, I will be very content mm. with that. And I think that's a very diplomatic way to put it as well, because, yeah, this could have easily gone a very different way. Um, And WGA did not have to agree to this. But it is the thing of like you have to kind of ask, well, you have to ask and also put situations in place, put borders in place in the future where other award shows, other producers won't cut corners in this way um the tony's not having writers essentially means that other award shows could look at this and be like well we could cut down things in the same way that the tony's are doing to save costs and to not have to pay writers so i mean this is obviously going to be a very big fight to avoid that and make sure everybody's getting their fair pay but as you said this is the Tonys are such a different award show from something like the SAG Awards or the Oscars or the Emmys or whatever, because you are honoring live performance and therefore you can have a lot of material in your show that comes straight from the shows in a way that you couldn't like you'd have to obviously right. have like a clip show for movies or for television. You can have performers put on live performances from material that's already been written that they've already performed and been nominated for in a live award show in ways that others couldn't. So it's going to be exciting <laughs> question mark to see what happens in the next couple of weeks. It's certainly going to be interesting. I'm glad that something was agreed to. And now hopefully, uh, you know, as the strike continues, it hopefully ends quickly in favor for the writers. Absolutely. All right. Speaking of awards, uh, this is not one that is going to get a major telecast that had to worry about being picketed by the WGA. But 
On Tuesday, the Outer Critics Circle announced their award winners this year. They'd already announced the nominees, so I'm just going to run through some of them. And then there is a little thing that might be a little uncomfortable to talk about about this, but I I, I think we should. Um, So, Outstanding New Broadway Musical went to Some Like It Hot. Outstanding New Broadway Play went to Leopoldstadt. Outstanding New Off-Broadway Musical, The Harder They Come. Outstanding New Off-Broadway Play went to Downstate. Uh, the John Gastner Award for New American Play, preferably by a new playwright, went to Fat Ham by James Imes. Outstanding Revival of a Play, Broadway or Off-Broadway, went to Top Dog Underdog. Outstanding Revival of a Musical, Broadway or Off-Broadway, went to Parade. Outstanding, here's where things, see if you can follow my thinking here. Outstanding Lead Broadway okay. or... Outstanding lead performer in a Broadway musical, Jay Harrison G. Outstanding feature performer in a Broadway musical, Alex Newell. Those are great uh, to have uh, gender nonconforming, non-binary performers. Love Mm -hmm. that. But let's keep going. Outstanding lead performer in a Broadway play, Sean Hayes. Outstanding featured performer in a uh, feature performer in a Broadway play, Brandon Uranowitz. Outstanding lead performer in an off-Broadway play, Bill Irwin. Endgame. Outstanding feature performer in an off-Broadway play. K. Todd Freeman, Downstate. Outstanding lead performer in an off-Broadway musical, Jonathan Groff, Merely Roll Along. Here's where we start to get a little bit out of that pattern. Outstanding feature performer in an off-Broadway musical, Lindsay Mendez. Outstanding solo performance, Jody Comer. And then it goes on from there. Uh, and we'll have the complete list in uh, the show notes. This is one of the things, actually, you and I I've, have talked I've about. I'm seeing what you're putting down, but, right. but I'll let you go first. Well, yes. And th- this was my thing. I don't have necessarily a... a a position on this, but I think it is something you and I have talked about before. If we go to genderless categories, there is the potential either because of inherent sexism or just the way a season falls out because all of these performers, I mean, no Correct. one is ever going to be mad about Brandon Uranowitz or Bill Irwin winning a, winning an award because they are two They're of the best that there is. But yes. it does make people look a little side eye when there are however many 10 performance categories and only two are women. And and I think that that is a very understandable concern because the fact that we did have two non-binary winners is amazing. And, and I think that is fantastic. But if those had been men and the only winners were still Lindsay Mendez and Jody Comer, that's where you start to be like, okay, what are the unintended consequences on this? I don't know that I have an answer other than saying, if you're going to cut down the number of awards you give out, uh, like by by combining categories, maybe come up with new awards so that you expand it so that there are more opportunities for women and other marginalized people to have to have wins as well. I, I, I am not in favor of condensing categories for for to make them genderless without doing something else to make sure that the same number of people are winning awards. I don't care how you do it, but because we know that awards mean a lot when it comes to contract negotiations as well, that I think that's important to have that and to prevent the fact that it's all men all the time. Yeah, but it's not all men right now. No, correct. But it's pretty close. And it it is pretty close. I mean, it's six versus four. It's six men versus four not men. Um, Fair. So, I mean, this is a start. It's that's not that split isn't necessarily concerning to me, both when you look at the nominees and winners. I think they're all the correct choices of those lists. Um, 
we're going to get into other years where that's not necessarily going to be the case. I mean, we could say that about the Tonys this year, which are obviously still gendered, but we could say that about whichever award season next year where the person who won isn't necessarily the right pick. And that could very well be a man winning over a woman in a non-gendered category. You have to start somewhere. This is the start and you can mm-hmm. edit from there. And I think, think to put something into place where yes now we can make edits is the best path forward i think they've done a really good job here i don't think the split is egregious i think the people that won are like i said the correct people to win it's always going to be difficult when you see you know 10 acting categories and two women win because the automatic reaction is to say, well, women aren't winning awards now. But that's, I think, still looking at it in a very binary way. Of It's not two women uh, winning versus eight non-women. It's two non-binary people winning, two women winning, and six men winning. It's a better split than it seems, and it's more fair. And now everyone just has to keep working for it to be even more fair from there. I like that perspective. Uh, all right. So this was really interesting because yesterday I was talking with uh, my friend, Natalie, who I'm going to be seeing some shows with in New York uh, over the weekend. She had said that she was a little nervous about wanting to see Once Upon a One More Time because she wasn't exactly sure what Britney Spears' involvement was with the show. And I said, well, I'm 99% sure that she went to one of the final workshops before it had originally going to be making its out of town tryout in Chicago. And then that got delayed. And then the pandemic happened and all that stuff, like literally 30 minutes later, there was an article from the Hollywood reporter that went into detail about this. And the fact that Britney Spears not only did go to that workshop in 2019, but after her conservatorship ended after 13 years, she not only approved and authorized the use of her songs, but also negotiated the license uh, for them to pay for the rights. So this was all done with her knowledge and approval beforehand, but even more importantly, after she got out of the 13 year conservatorship, she again, uh, not only gave her consent, but also made sure that she was comfortable with the financial, uh, implications of them using her songs. Uh, and it actually went into the fact that like she actually kind of semi inspired the story when the writers of the show got the rights to her, her catalog. The only thing that they really heard from her directly was that she really liked fairies, like, you know, sprites and fairies. Oh, yeah, massively so. Yeah, so they were like, all right, let's do that. So there are fairies in this show. So I think this should calm a lot of people's nerves about the implications uh, of this. And I think that there's a lot of reasons to uh, feel much better about the show if you are concerned about that. 100% delighted. Yep. All right, let's get into some show and casting news. And actually... I've got some breaking news that is not available anywhere else. So if you are listening to this uh, in Patreon on Tuesday night, this is not available anywhere else. This is breaking news and exclusive here for Broadway Radio. If you're listening to it later in the regular feed or later in Patreon, you might have seen it somewhere else. But coming to uh, New York City this summer for a limited 16 performance run. In a private loft in the Flatiron District will be an incredibly star-studded run of Uncle Vanya. So here's who's here's who's in this cast. There are 16 performances, only 40 tickets per night. 
in the cast will be Tony winner David Cromer playing Vanya, Will Brill, most recently of, of Oklahoma on Broadway, Tony nominee Marin Ireland, two-time Tony nominee and Outer Critics Circle winner Bill Irwin, uh, and then a host of other people in this cast. It's going to be directed by Jack Serio, who has recently done some really exciting stuff off-Broadway. Uh, the show will begin performances on June 28th, and it will only run through July 16th. From what I understand, there might be a slim chance for an extension, but very, very limited. Obviously, these folks are very very busy, busy. Um, and there might be life for it later. But as this specific run, it is not going to happen very much beyond this. They are calling it hyper intimate Mm. because in a private loft with only 40 people, that's pretty awesome. So if you have... Always wanted to see a production of, of Chekhov's Uncle Vanya. This is definitely the one to see because That's that cast is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm very upset that I'm not going to be in town for this. Although, I mean, maybe I will be. Who knows? Who yeah, knows? maybe. Yeah. Who's to say? Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of iconic shows that will be very cool to see, we've previously mentioned the fact that David Tennant is going to star as Macbeth in Don Mar Warehouse's upcoming run of the show. That'll begin performances on December 8th and run through February 10th of 2024. We now know who will be playing Lady Macbeth, and that is the equally fantastic star of stage and screen, Cush Jumbo. So that is a great cast of Lady Macbeth and Macbeth. Highly recommend you see that because these two are fantastic. And then rounding out this little bit of news, on Tuesday, Actors' Equity Association uh, kind of put a final capper on a story that we've talked about at least once or twice here, Ashley. And that is the fact that after a 15-month effort by dancers employed by the Star Garden Topless Dive Bar in North Hollywood, California, they have finally become the nation's only unionized strippers. Uh, the yes, victory has been it. complete, and that is... Uh, it is certainly historic and amazing. I, I can only imagine how that will change that business and those performers uh, working conditions and lives, because I can't imagine that they were yeah, getting anything close to rate uh, for, for their performance. Obviously they're not going to be on a, on a Broadway contract by any means, but the, the fact no, that they no, have no. these types of protections, protections. Is, exactly. is incredible. So congratulations to them. And finally, let's get into a feel-good recommendation. And this is a feel-good recommendation because anybody listening to this show is going – it's going to make them feel very, very smart or that most of the rest of the country is very stupid. Because on Monday's episode of Jeopardy, they had an entire musical theater category. (laughs) It was quite possibly the easiest musical theater category I have ever seen in my life. Like, it was almost insultingly easy. But nonetheless, we are – theater obsessive so of course we knew these but none of them were difficult at all like talking about nope. what show guns and ships the uh, with david diggs playing marquis yeah. de lafayette is in i think that was like the 200 that was the easiest question, to yes. be fair yeah that was the, but like even the remember th- what the thousand one was uh, but i've, I've I got it, it immediately Yeah, the the thousand question was set pieces in this Broadway musical include a life-sized helicopter and a giant head of Ho Chi Minh. Yeah, okay. I mean, there's not a lot of options there, so anybody knows. And then, I mean, even even the the $800 question was actually a double jeopardy question. The role of Glenda in Wicked was written for this actress who received a 2004 Uh, Tony nomination for her performance. 
uh, like my my 12 year old niece knows the answer to that question <laughs> well that's because she's your niece to be fair fair and she's starring as sharpay in her middle school's high school production of high school musical uh, that i'll be seeing Hello. tonight wednesday um hey. and then like what show did hugh jackman just finish um or what was it what was hugh jackman's character's, character's name, name? Yeah. music man it's like so okay Come on. Anyway, I have all of the videos and all of the... Uh, Enraged. Enraged to not be rich off of Jeopardy! I musical know. theater questions. I I, well, I mean, but to like, be fair, I think the final... Was that last night? I watched, I watched Jeopardy! and I watched Jeopardy! Masters, so it probably had to be regular Jeopardy! I think the final Jeopardy! was like also incredibly easy about a magazine being named after both a band and a song. A music magazine being named oh, after Rolling both a band Stone. and a song. Yeah, yeah. easy. Yeah, that's it was that's, a weird night. So it's like, it's very weird. like, can like how many other music magazines are people really going to know the names to? Let alone even if you couldn't piece yeah. together that it was Rolling Stone. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, that's all that we have. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt, Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at No, This Is Ashley. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful hump day, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.